We're delighted to have each and every one of you here today. Thank you to all of our guests for being in service. We pray that you would leave forever changed, not only because of the presence of God, but we pray you would also feel the love of this wonderful church and that you would leave thankful that you chose to be here today. Amen. Our pastor and sister Hughes are at the church triumphant this morning in Pasadena with brother Cisco. They are honoring Sister Glass today for her 80th birthday, and our pastor was asked to be there to speak today for them, and we are delighted that he was given that opportunity. It speaks very highly of our pastor that someone like Brother and Sister Glass, amen, would have him come and speak to them, and I'm glad that he is there with them today, and I am glad to be here with you this morning. I do have a, a burden today that I bring to the pulpit and I, I pray that I can, I can give you what is in my heart and in my spirit this morning. If you would turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. We'll begin reading at verse 32. Work our way down to verse 43. It says, and there were also two other male factors led with him to be put to death. And when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him and the male factors, one on the right and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding and the rulers also with them derided him saying he saved others. Let him save himself if he be Christ the chosen of God. And the soldiers also mocked him coming to him and offering vinegar. And saying if thou be the king of the Jews save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in the letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew to also mock him, though it was true. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the male factors which were hang railed on him, saying, if thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him. Saying, dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, not everybody else that chirped up that day and had something to say, not to the thief on the other side, but Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Today I desperately need the Holy Ghost. 
We need God to move in this place today. And I pray that we would all leave this place forever changed. I want to talk to you on the subject today. A call for last responders. A call for last responders. Can we go to the Lord in prayer right now? Father, we love you today. God, I need your anointing right now. God, surely your presence is in this place. God, I pray right now for every single person in this building today. Regardless of what we have done, regardless of where we are today. God, today we want another word spoken over our life. Today we want a different outcome when we leave. God, I pray today, God, that there would be some responders in the building. God, that there would people that would get out of their place of comfort to come out of the ashes and ruins and to say, I need you, God. I need you to please remember me. God, I pray today that you would move in this place, touching every heart and soul. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. You can be seated this morning. I am very troubled with our world today, as I am sure that many of you are. I get upset when I look at the condition of humanity and the hearts of people and the bitterness and hatred that is spewing everywhere. The hurt and the torment that people are facing. The words depressed and anxiety and disorders and, and, and all these things, these words that we have heard and passed, but we hear more and more and more every day. We see people who are stuck to see kids and teenagers and adults taking their own life because they feel they do not matter. More and more every day this is happening and it's getting closer and closer to home every time. Perhaps some of you know somebody that was very close to you that took their own life. There have been bad people who have taken their own life and there have been very good people who have taken their own life. There have been horrible people who have thrown it all away and there have been wonderful people who have thrown it all away. There have been people who have been given no chance in this life to succeed. And there have been people that have been given every chance to succeed. It does not matter because depression is no respecter of person. Greed and lust are no respecter of person. I can't tell you how many times that I have pulled up to a red light only to look over in the car next to me and find a grown man sobbing and weeping, wiping tears from there. I don't know what happened. I don't know the conversation he just had. I don't know what he was going through. But I look over and I know that I see a human being that is hurting, that is dying, that is desperate. I don't know the thoughts that were tormenting his mind. I don't know what phone call he may have just gotten off of. All I know is that there was a human that was hurting. Men, women, teenagers, there is so many hurting out in our world. Children that are hurting every day. People who hurt that never let you see that they are hurt. People who are sitting on the pew beside you today. 
who have never told you what they deal with on a day-to-day basis, who face condemnation, they face guilt, and they face shame for past sins, for current failings, and for every struggle that they are going through right now. They sit there, and inside they are weeping, they are sobbing, and they too are dying. I was able to go to, because of the times this year, and While we were there, they had a split session service in the morning and we went to it. And I I am so glad that I did not miss that because in this in this split session, they were allowing people to give their testimonies of where God had brought them from. And and some of them had dealt with abuse and substance abuse and physical abuse. And one lady who was given the microphone, she began to weep and she began to speak with passion And she said, you hear me, I was raised in the home of a pastor. I've been raised in this my whole life. I have sang on this very pulpit. And for eight years, I struggled with prescription drugs. For eight years, I was miserable. For eight years, I was hurting and dying. But I came to church like I was supposed to do and put a smile on my face. And I know some of you are mocking me and ashamed of me because I served for eight years. I got up and led worship for eight years. I lifted my hands and smiled and greeted people and I loved people for eight years and I did those things. But inside I was dying and I was hurting. And she said, finally, I reached a place where I could not handle it anymore. And I was either going to do something to take my own life or I was going to deal with the reality of it. And I was going to talk to my pastor. And she said, so I finally went to my pastor and she said, with my face in my hands, I was weeping the entire time as I told him this problem that I had, this issue that I had. And I knew he was going to be so ashamed at me. I knew he was going to be so disappointed and angry that he allowed me to be on a pulpit for eight years on a platform singing and worshiping when I had this problem. And she said, I sat there broken, sobbing. She said, only to look up to see my pastor sobbing and weeping and looking at me. And he said, I am so sorry that you have been hurting. And I did not know. Those words from that conference grip my heart. I've not been able to forget them every time I pray. God, how many are teaching Sunday school that are hurting? How many are sitting on the pew beside me and behind me that are hurting? God, they are doing things that they're not proud of and they're ashamed of. God, but God, they are hurting and they are dying and they're seeking help. God, but they feel ashamed. They too feel like they are led and they're humiliated on a cross beside you. Everyone knows who they are. Everyone knows the mistakes they've made. Everyone sees their issue. But I pray God, Help me be more aware of those that are around me. Help me know that just because they're smiling doesn't mean that everything's all right. Help me be aware that they may live under the same roof as me, but there may be something going on that I don't know about. God, help me be prayed up enough. Help me be sensitive to you enough. God, that you can nudge me and say, look at them with compassion. Look at them with love. Reach for them. Tell them that they matter. Tell them that I still care for them. We have found ourselves being at wit's end. 
We have found ourselves at the bottom of the bottom and the enemy would like nothing more for us to stay there. To just accept that it's just the way that we are. It's just who we are destined to be. It's how I was raised. It's how I was taught. It's the way that I was born. This is the real me. This is the mask taken off. This is the curtain pulled back me. Hear me this morning. It may be who you are, but that does not mean it is who you have to stay. Because there was a Savior who was there on Calvary that day. He took nails in His hands and His feet. He took a spear in His side and a crown of thorns on His head. He didn't get it, do that to get the applause of everyone there that day. He did it because of love. He did it because there was going to be somebody up there beside Him that needed a way out. That needed a breakthrough that needed a moment just to see that somebody cared for him. In 1850, Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote a book titled The Scarlet Letter. In this book, a woman is found guilty of adultery. She is then required to wear a scarlet A on her dress, the symbol of shame. We do the same thing, don't we? We see that someone messes up and we put a giant M on them for mistake. No, we may not talk about it to everyone else. We may not be guilty of gossip, but in the back of our mind, we, we, we say, I, I know what you've done. I, I, I've labeled you already. I've made sure I've, I've put my mark on you so I don't get too close to you and I don't let other people get too close to you. And, and someone cheats and we put a big C on them and, and we label them not on all the things that they've done right in this world, but we label them on the one thing that they did wrong. We tend to magnify the mistakes, whether it's A for adultery or D for divorce, L for lust, whatever it may be. There was a woman in the Bible who felt this same shame as a crowd of people threw her at the feet of Jesus, tossing their letter A to her. Don't you see her? Don't you know what she's done? Don't you know what she's been a part of? And Jesus steps up and he says, you know what? I am here today to address something, but it is not this woman. He said, I am not here to defend her adultery, but I am here to defend her. He says, let he who is among you without sin, without a past, without a letter of your own on you, without a label that you've been wearing and that you have upon you. Let him cast the first stone. And then Jesus turns and he gives her a brand new label. He said, now you are forgiven. When Pharisees were writing people off, Jesus was writing them in. He was loving people when they least deserved it and when they least expected it. When everyone was showing them the door, Jesus was saying, here, let me show you the way When there was a woman broken with an alabaster jar and she broke it, others were looking saying, that is wasteful, that is pitiful, that is shameful. God was saying, you let her be. God was saying, I don't care what she's done. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you're going through. I've come to seek and save the lost. The the, the well don't need a doctor. It's the sick that need a doctor. And they're the reason that I am here. He told her, he said, go and sin no more. Go and start over. Go and make things right. Go and don't you ever look back. Go and walk into your promise. He was giving her an opportunity to respond. 
one act of grace can turn the worst moment into the defining moment of someone's life. I've come to declare to someone here today, it matters not who you used to be. It matters not who you are today. The only thing that matters is it's not too late to make things right. It is not too late to change your mind. It's not too late to turn your life around. It's not too late to call Him Lord. It's not too late to make up your mind and say, I don't want to be known as that anymore. I don't want to be labeled with that anymore. I don't want to be an addict anymore. I don't want to be known as the church gossip anymore. I want to be remembered in a moment where my heart changed. And just when God says it is finished, let me be aware that it is just the beginning. The Bible speaks of some men in 1 Samuel 22. It says in every one that was in distress and every one that was in debt and every one that was discontented gathered themselves unto him. And he speaking of David became a captain over them and there were with him about 400 men. These 400 men were not model citizens. In fact, they had previously failed at life. As a result, they were in debt. As a result of their choices, they were in distress. As a result of the life and their surroundings, they were discontented. But God sent them to the right place, to the right person, at the right time. And David became their leader. And in just a short moment, these men went from being minute to mighty. They went from being nobodies to somebodies. You hear me this morning. You may be in debt this morning, but it's not too late to make it right. You may have walked in this morning in distress, but it's not too late to make it right. It's not too late to become a mighty man. It's not too late to put some things aside and say, I want to get right. I want to be all I can be. I want to do all I can do for God. I have read all four accounts of our text today from each gospel and each account. You have four different people giving their eyewitness of the event. But you want to hear a spoiler? It all says the same thing about them. Here in Luke, we see these men are called male factors. In John, they are two other. Mark calls them thieves and mentions the prophetic scripture that called these men transgressors. Matthew also calls them thieves. So, they were thieves. They were male factors and transgressors and other two. Not one description of them was wrong. Not one falsely accused. They were who men said that they were. But at the end of that dark day, it did not matter what the world had called them. It did not matter who they used to be. It did not matter what kind of life they had lived up until this point. The only thing that mattered was when one of those two, one of those bad guys, one of those sinners, one of those ugly people that was dying on that cross, one who just had a few more minutes to live, one who knew he was getting what he deserved, one who was guilty of mocking Jesus himself heard him say father 
Forgive them for they know not what they do. He sat there on the cross beside him, hearing him say those words, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. A man who had been found guilty, a man who only knew conviction and condemnation is sitting there on a tree listening to somebody plead for him. A man who was wrong and always tried to make up excuses. A man who only ever knew what it was like to be accused was being pleaded for by a stranger in a cross who did no wrong. And when he looked over at Jesus and saw the love and compassion in his eyes as he wept, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Forgive them why they know not what they do, oh God. Inside of that dirty, rotten sinner, something began to stir and shake inside of him. Something happened inside of that lost soul. Something shifted in the mind of a transgressor. And he said, Lord, Lord, my master, the one that my heart belongs to. I know many have already responded. Many have already been following you. They've already been serving you. And I know that I'm showing up late to the party. I know that many are far more deserving than I. I understand that I may be a late responder, but master, would you remember me when you go to your kingdom? When you go away today, would you remember me? I know I've only been around for a short time, but something has got a hold of me since I've been in your presence. Oh, since I've saw the real you, since you've revealed yourself to me, since I heard you cry out those words that you're asking for forgiveness for me. I don't deserve it. I don't need it, God, but I've desperately got to have it from you today. Remember me when you go to your kingdom. Don't remember the person that I used to be. Don't remember that I stole. Don't remember that I did drugs. Don't remember that I was a prostitute. Don't remember all of those bad things. But God, remember me now. Remember me in this condition of a changed heart. I know I've only been a convert for about 45 seconds. But remember me in this 45 seconds. I may be last, but remember me. It doesn't matter if they call you cheater. If they call you lost, forgotten, or worthless. Come to speak to some today that are at the end of your rope. You are thinking you couldn't possibly go any lower. You're taking each breath as if it is your last and you too are dying on a cross. You haven't been given a fair chance in life. You made poor decisions that have led you down a road of destruction. You're weak. You're tired. And you're about to throw in the towel. Others have condemned you. Others have accused you. And put you up on a cross of shame. They labeled you a thief. They labeled you a transgressor. They labeled you insignificant. Failure. Mistake. They put that over your head and they hung it for all the world to see. But it does not matter what they have called you. It only matters where he is calling you. He said today, you will be with me in paradise. Hear me today. You may feel last. You may be last, but you are not lost. 
If you are here today and there is breath in your body, you may have never prayed a single prayer in your life. You may have walked in this building today by accident, but you hear me today. You may have showed up late, but it is not too late. You may have shown up later than everybody else, but you're not lost today. God is still reaching. He's still drawing. He's still pulling you. I've come today to tell you it's not too late to book your ticket to paradise. It's not too late to say, God, I've got to get right with you before it is too late. God, before I don't have another opportunity. God, before I'm on the other side of this and I can't say any more words. God, today I ask you to remember me. To our first responders. Oh, I applaud you. For those of you that came up here earlier during worship and lifted your hands and responded in worship. And you sat in your pew and you lifted your hands and shouted with a loud voice. And your your elders that wanted to get out and shout and move and run the aisles. But you sat there with your hands lifted and you were responding. I applaud you today. I thank you for that. I thank you for responding when God moves. I thank you so much for doing that. I am thankful for the ones who show up early and leave late. I'm thankful for the fasters. I'm thankful for the prayer warriors. I'm thankful for our faithful elders and those who are quick to respond. And we are so pleased when we get results of people at an altar. We get so pleased with people who respond. And we get angry and frustrated with people who do not. We base our success on how many came to the altar that day. And if no one responds, then we have failed. We count souls as at the altar as a success. And I would agree to a certain degree, but it is great and wonderful and heaven rejoices. But as excited as I get for those that do respond, my heart is tormented and grieved for those that don't. Those that feel like they can't, those that feel like they are stuck, those that want to shout, those that want to pray, those that want to be found, but they're buried underneath rubble. They're hurt. They're lying on the ground with knives in their back because they've been wounded by other people. There are people who want to respond, but they have lived a life that has led them to a cross as a malefactor, as a transgressor. They've lived a life that's worthy of death. And so they feel ashamed. They don't want to lift their hands because they don't want somebody coming over who's already labeled them, who's already told them that they're a failure, who's already told them that they're not going to succeed. There are people that are just waiting on God. They're waiting on that moment. And you may be late to that moment, but it's not too late. You may be here today and you're sitting at the pew and you're dying inside. I I hurt for you today. I hurt with you you today and I want you to know that God is calling you today last responder God is calling you that have been sitting on a pew and you've wanted to get out you've wanted to move but you felt too ashamed God is saying you don't worry about any of that you don't worry about what they're going to think you don't worry about all these people down here it's you and me buddy and today when all of this is over you're coming with me you're coming with me today to a better place You hear me, Greater Life Church? Don't you dare ever write anybody off. Don't you dare ever look at somebody and say they're never going to make it back. 
You better do all that you can to pull them from the fire. If you are saved, you better get to saving. If you're blood-bought, then you better be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody else, telling them, I know what it's like. I know where you're at. I know what you've been through. Let me help you. Let me pray with you. Let me get with you. Let me encourage you. Let me pull you from the fire. When 9-11 happened... Many were saved from the initial attacks. But it says that they gave their lives trying to go in one more time. To win one more. To save one more. And no doubt it would have been easy for the saved to sit on the sidelines outside watching as somebody else would run back in who had just made it out okay. But how... They would stand there and it would be easy to think how foolish for someone to go to the door of death to help someone with no guarantee that they're going to bring somebody out with them. Why would you do that when you are already safe? Why would you do that when you're okay? Because there's something in me that says there's somebody in there dying. I hear their cries. I hear their hurt. They're trapped. They're stuck. I've got to do everything I can to save them. I've got to go back in and try to help them. But we hear opinions of people who say, well, well, they should have responded sooner. Well, that they don't care anything about living for God. They don't ever even worship. Doesn't Jesus know he's a... Why is she singing in the choir? We all know what she did. Why is she teaching Sunday school? We know the struggles that she's been going through. Why is she... Why in the world are you talking like that when somebody is hurting and dying and they've obviously made a mistake? Why would you not pray with them? Why would you not encourage them and say, God, I don't want to say anything that's going to offend anybody or hurt anybody. And if I try to deal with it, I'll mess it up. But God, I pray for my brother. I pray for my sister who's hurting. God, would you save their soul? Oh, God, would you help them today? Oh, reach for that one that is laid, God, but they are not lost. Thank God that once upon a time something got a hold of me. Or I too might have been a late responder. Thank God I was raised in this truth. Or I might have never responded at all some of us respond when our feet hit the the ground in the morning some respond every sunday and every wednesday some respond when brother clyde t plays the first note on the keyboard i thank you first responders i thank you for your worship thank you for being present thank you for being first on the scene there are people that are here today because of you because you saw they were hurting and you reached for them because you did get involved you were active and you were worshiping But today, my call is to the last responders, to the one who feels that they are hanging shamefully on a tree for all the world to see. Maybe you haven't prayed in 10 years. Maybe you don't just have skeletons in your closet of your past. Maybe there are things living right now in your closet that need to die. Maybe you have issues and hang-ups. You hear me today. You may feel like you are a last responder. But they say better late than never. 
This should never excuse or delay us. And we should never get the idea that we can live how we want. And then have the same fate as this thief who at the last breath made things right. Because I can guarantee you if that thief had known back then what he knew now in this moment, he would have lived a lot different life. He would have responded sooner. Most of us are not really concerned today because we consider ourselves responders. But there are some today you feel as though you have no more time. You woke up this morning and you said, what's the use of even going to church? I've gone. There have been people that have just walked past. They don't even talk to me. They don't even see that I'm hurting. They don't even see that my marriage is broken. They don't even see that I'm dying. They don't even know where I'm at. What's the point of going to church today? All they're going to do is see me up there with nails in my hands and feet. They're going to see what I've done. They're going to know what I've done. What's the point? You feel as though you have no more time and you are the one dying on the cross today. It's you I'm calling. It's you I'm telling it's not too late. It's you I'm telling there is still a way. We put a lot of emphasis on those who appear to be first responders. But you hear me this morning, just because you have responded outwardly does not mean that there has been a change on the inward. Don't always assume that the ones at the altar are responders and the ones in the pew are not. But that's how we view things. Oh, look at all of those at the altar. And the ones at the altar are looking back and saying, oh, look at all of those who are not. But things are not always the way that they appear to be. Because from the outside of the grave, it does appear to be over. But there is something going on on the inside of that tomb that we cannot see. There is something happening on the inside of our heart that the people beside us do not know what is taking place. Perhaps there's a conversion greater than anyone has ever known taking place even right now. But you're not running and shouting and rejoicing so people are writing you off thinking that you're done. But inside there's something that's turning and churning you. God, I've got to have you today. God, you've got to do something today. But based on what we see, it does seem to be the end. But what we do not see is that there has been a shifting taking place on the inside. Sure, there's a man on the cross. Sure, he's a thief. Sure, he's a failure. But what you don't see is what's happening in his heart. What you don't see is the thing that's taking place on the inside as he has heard those words of Jesus. You hear me this morning. Both of these men went to Calvary. Both, the Bible says, were led up with Jesus based on the outward today we would look at that and say man they they visited Calvary and they went with Jesus bless God they're saved sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost but there was one who was responding on a different level both of these men were led with him both visited Calvary both made the journey with him but simply visiting Calvary is not enough simply 
simply seeing Jesus there on the cross is not enough. Simply asking Him to save you is not enough. Simply saying a little prayer, God, would you forgive me and save me? And then I've got my ticket to heaven. That's not enough. For the first thief said, if you be Christ, would you save yourself and us? You hear me? You can ask God to save you, but if your spirit is not right and your heart is not right and you don't know for a fact that he is God, then you're, it's not going to matter what you say. It's not going to matter what you pray. But you hear me? It's not just enough to say it. It's not just enough to portray it outwardly. There has to be a responder. There has to be one who realizes he is my Lord. He is merciful. He is love. He is forgiving. He is my Lord. Jesus, Jesus, my Lord, will you remember me? I'm not saying if I know who you are today. You've revealed yourself to me. You've told me you still love me. And while he could do a lot of things to change his circumstance and mine, he chose to plead for my forgiveness. Why, God, why would you do that for me? I don't deserve your forgiveness. I don't deserve paradise. All I'm asking is that you remember me. Remember that my heart did turn. Remember that while I was broken and hurting and wounded and while I was sitting on a pew for so long and I I wasn't responding for so long. God, would you remember that I was late, but I did finally respond. Would you just remember that? One came to the end and died a doubter. If you be Christ. But one responded late. But was changed because he knew who that man was beside him. And he was no ordinary man. You're here today. You're hanging your head because you haven't responded in a very long time. Some of you have been raised in this for so long. And you just, you feel comfortable because you were raised in this for so long. And you, 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 you think that everything's alright because of how it appears on the outside. You, you visited Calvary. You've been w- going with Jesus. You've been walking beside Him. Oh, but on the inside. God, I need something to turn. God, I, I need to, I need to respond today. God, I was a small child the last time I truly felt you. Actively working in my life and it's, it's not on you, God. That thief said, I, I'm aware that it's me. I'm aware that I am who they've said I am. But you are not who they say you. You're not who they are declaring you to be and mocking you to be. Some are here today despondent because you have never responded. And now here you are. And I know you've been gone a long time, but there is still hope. I know you feel like it's over, but you are here today and there are no accidents with God. I had a friend that I was able to meet in Bible college who was the only one in his entire family who was really living for God. His grandfather was dying of cancer and he was left at home under the watch of hospice and was just waiting to die. 
One night, my friend got a phone call from his grandfather at 10 p.m. at night with his grandfather weeping, saying, I've got to be baptized in Jesus' name before I die. He went and jumped in his car right then at 10 o'clock at night and left to go do just that. When he got there, the other family members were resistant, saying they didn't need to do that. He was too old. It was too late. And it was pointless. None of them lived for God. So it didn't matter to them here or there. But they went and got an old horse trough and they brought it into their grandparents' garage. And they wheeled their grandfather out there and placed him in that water. And right there in that garage, they baptized him in Jesus' name. His grandfather passed away a few days later, hours after receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. You hear me, Greater Life Church? It is not too late to make things right. It's not too late to figure things out. It's not too late to respond. It's not too late to call out to God. It's not too late to get your heart right. It's not too late for an old dog to learn new tricks. It's not too late for you to turn back to God. My friend was then asked to preach his grandfather's funeral. It was that day his family began to move towards God. Soon they began having a Bible study at his grandmother's house. And his family began to open up their hearts to God. And today you can walk into his church that he now pastors. And you will find his entire family worshiping there every Sunday and every Wednesday worshiping God. You hear me this morning, thief. You listen, malefactor. You listen, adulterer. You listen, sinner. It's not too late. You may not be a first responder. You may not be the second responder. All I'm asking you today is to respond. Respond to that nudge you feel. Respond to that calling you feel. Respond to that God that is reaching out for you today. Let's all stand. Don't assume because you have made it to Calvary that all is well. And don't assume because you went with Jesus that you have arrived. Don't just respond on the outward. Respond in your spirit. First responders, we need you. Last responders, we need you. I quote this often because it is a reminder to all of us. We all were once like this. First Corinthians 6 The NLT says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or prostitutes or practice homosexuality or thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people. None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11 says, some of you were once like that. Any, any of you ever been one of those? Maybe it's not mentioned up there, but you knew you were no good. You knew you were a failure. You knew you had mistakes. You knew you had issues. But you were made right. You were made holy. You were made right with God. By calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. By calling out to Him. Lord... Remember me. 
I know I've been a lot of nasty things. I know I've done a lot of bad things. But God, don't remember those things. Remember me now when my heart is turning. Remember me now on this Sunday morning when my heart is turning. We were in debt. We were in distress. We were discontented. But God got a hold of me. Respond today, not to me, not to the music, not to the emotion, not to the tears, not to the people beside you. Respond to Him. Respond to the one who can save you at the end of it all. To where the end is truly just the beginning. Everyone sees you. Everyone's looking at you. Everyone knows what you've done. Or at least that's what we like to tell ourselves. But none of that matters. The only thing that matters is that the thoughts in your spirit that is saying now respond. Respond. Respond now. Run to the altar now. Fall on the altar now. Make it right now. I'm calling all first responders. But I'm calling those that are last responders today. I pray you would turn this entire place into an altar. If you want to come up to the front and lie down and weep. If you want to make things right up here, that's fine. But if you don't feel comfortable, I'm not pulling you today. I'm not dragging you. I'm just telling you right where you are on that cross that you're dying on. You can call out to Him. Respond to Him this morning. And today... Not next year, not next week, but today things can change. Paradise can be yours today. Oh, those of you that are hurting, my spirit aches for you today. I wish I had all the right words that made every pain go away. I wish we had enough people in this place that could talk to you and convince you. Oh, but you're living in reality. You're living in hurt. You've been wounded. I call you today. I call you today, last responder. Oh, more than my hands lifted. Shout more than my response on the outside. Oh God, there's a turning in my heart today.